welcome to Quarantine Seminary with Brother Isom. Hello, everyone. It has been a while, hasn't it? Um, we are smack dab in the middle of the school year, and so my time has been taken up by uh, teaching daily classes and trying to get prepared for that, and then I've also been managing an online course, um, and so I haven't gotten to this. Uh, I've been doing some writing, so there is some stuff there, but and I promise I'll pick up uh, in the future, but uh, I did write something today that uh, I thought I might just throw down on a podcast episode and send it out to you and just communicate that I haven't completely abandoned this project. I'll get to it uh, as I have time, and I'll try and be find a time where I'm more consistent in the future. Um, but in the meantime, here's a little short thing that I wrote today. I've I've spoken along these themes before, but. Um, as I'm teaching right now in person, we're in Third Nephi, and Christ's teaching in Third Nephi about the Abrahamic covenant is just so clear, and uh, and it's something that again and again and again we have to come back to because clearly Christ uh, sees the relevancy here, even if we don't see it, He sees the relevancy and um, needs us to see it, and so. It's one of those things that, you know, some truths in Scripture are just right there on the surface for us, right for our taking. And uh, some things we really do have to do the work to come to see things the way that he wants us to see them. And I think this is one of those things. And uh, this isn't going to take long. It's pretty short. Um, But this is how I see it being relevant uh, today in our lives and I hope uh, you find some relevancy in it as well. I don't claim that what I'm about to read is any way authoritative, um, but this is just kind of my reading of Jesus' sermons on the, um, on the Abrahamic Covenant in 3 Nephi. Okay, here's where I'll start to read. In my reading, one of the central teachings of the Book of Mormon is that it's anti-nationalist and anti-racist. Jesus' sermons in 3 Nephi 15 and 16 and 20 and 21 discuss the scattering of the remnant of Israel in the latter days as a sin that the Gentiles commit. Now, all of Scripture paints kind of a mysterious picture of God's role vis-a-vis the scattering of Israel. It's clearly part of his model of how this work is going to unfold, but he also holds those who scatter his people accountable. The Gentiles have an opportunity to repent of the sin of scattering God's people here. And interestingly enough, it's the gifts that the Jews and the Nephites have left the Gentiles, particularly the Nephites, that will instigate that repentance in the latter days. How does a people repent from scattering another people? Well, they help to gather them. Jesus says that one group of Gentiles will use the Book of Mormon, this gift that was left for the Gentile nations, 
to help gather the remnant of scattered Israel from the four quarters of the earth and establish the prophesied community of Zion. Now, let's use our brains for a second. If Israel is to be gathered from all over the earth into Zion, then we can already see the barriers that racism and nationalism pose to this project. It's hard to claim that you're gathering Israel while you're also loudly screaming for banning entire groups from entering the country or lobbying for deporting or imprisoning those who are already here. That leads us to the other group of Gentiles that Jesus describes. And it's those who, having received the gifts that Israel has left, remember these are the scriptures, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, fail to repent and ultimately reject the project of gathering. This group of Gentiles is more interested in their pride and vanities than repaying the debt they owe to Israel. In 2 Nephi 29, Nephi quotes the Lord as he describes a group of Gentiles who received the Bible, but thank not the Jews for the Bible they receive, and instead curse the Jews. Arguably, he could say the same about Gentiles who received the Book of Mormon, and thank not the remnant of Israel. The Book of Mormon has a lot to say about the second group of Gentiles by way of analogy. It is, after all, a similar sense of ethno-religious nationalist superiority that proves to be the destruction of the Nephites. And that's exactly where Jesus goes with his prophecy in 3 Nephi. The Gentiles who fail to join in on the project of gathering will have their day, and then things will start to shift. The remnant of ethnic Israel will be among them like young lions among sheep, and this time it will be the Gentiles who are scattered and destroyed for their failure to repent. Finally, we return to the first group of Gentiles who, by their act of gathering ethnic Israel, have become covenant Israel and are made one with the very people they gathered in. They too inherit the land alongside ethnic Israel. They get to enjoy the prophesied blessings of Zion, and live peaceably in a community gathered out from every ethnicity and every nation, living in righteousness with no poor among them. Put differently, they have set aside their own inherited barriers to live in such a community, and they have developed the capacity to live as Israel was always supposed to live. Now to make my interpretation crystal clear. The Gentiles are Western European colonizers in the Americas. The sin of the Gentiles or the scattering of ethnic Israel is the genocide of indigenous people in the Western Hemisphere and the slave trade, especially of African people. The founding of the United States was both a landmark moment for the progression of human rights in the history of the world and also deeply rooted in the sinful traditions of white supremacy. The story of the United States really is the story of the struggle between both impulses, human rights and racial superiority. The Book of Mormon and the Bible are the gifts that have been left to us by ethnic Israel. Repenting from scattering Israel means that the Gentiles, repenting from scattering Israel means that the Gentiles use those gifts to restore the remnant to their ancestral history, including and especially the promises that the Lord made with their ancestors, rather than to European Protestant notions of God. Since it isn't entirely clear who is and who isn't ethnic Israel. I think it's best to treat everyone as if they are, particularly those who have been or are the victims of traditions of white supremacy. 
since that's pretty clearly identified as a central motivation in the scattering of Israel. Zion is the resulting multi-ethnic, multinational community that has figured out how to dismantle systems of racism, inequality, and oppression, and has developed the capacity to love the Lord and love each other, and where all are alike unto God. Now, I'm the one connecting the dots here, so this interpretation is by no means official or complete. My biases are obviously coming through. But if I'm anywhere in the ballpark of what Jesus intended his listeners to understand, we have real work to do. Many white people are still uncomfortable acknowledging the role that white supremacy played in the colonization of the Western Hemisphere and the slave trade. They haven't spent a significant amount of time trying to trace its history and its impact on human lives. They haven't developed the eyes to see it in their interpretation of scripture or in their style of worship. Sunday is still the most segregated day of the week in the United States. They've only heard half the story their whole lives, and they interpret the gospel as if it protects and confirms their story, rather than offers a path to repentance and wholeness. Most white people have only interacted with people of other races, religions, and ethnicities in contexts that are familiar to them as white people. Some are explicit about this blindness, but most aren't even aware of it. But clearly the problem abides. Jesus identifies it. The modern prophets identify it. And people of color in the United States have been trying for centuries to tell white people there's a problem and when they do, they're often treated as other than American or even anti-American. If you are LDS or have Mormon ancestry, you should know that once upon a time, your people didn't belong. Your people weren't considered white. Your people weren't considered American. Your people were restricted from entering the country. Your people were subject to illegal genocide. Your people were refugees. Your people were illegal, disenfranchised, and imprisoned. Your prophets were portrayed as caricatures in newspapers and paraded about in chains. Maybe all of that happened in part to help build the capacity in the descendants of those pioneers to weed out their wicked traditions, repent, and gather those who are still subject to the systems of white supremacy that exist in the world, the sin of the Gentiles. All right, that's it. Like I said, we've covered similar themes before, but um, since the scriptures keep returning again and again, I really think it's, it's the work we have to do and figure out what the Abrahamic covenant looks like in our day with the relevant issues of our day. And... Um, you know, unfortunately, in the church, especially in the United States, we're still a pretty homogenous community, relatively speaking. And it's not just the church in the United States. Like I said, Sunday is the most segregated day in this country. And luckily, the church is growing all over the world. It's growing in South America. It's growing in West Africa, especially um, but there are members of the church, temples, stakes all over the world. Um, but at some point, we have to get used to, instead of worshiping only in our 
pre-existing tribes start to worship with each other and start to open the doors to people who are different than us within our own tradition, um, start to open our interpretation of Scripture up to what does the Book of Mormon look like from the perspective of someone from Ghana or from the perspective of an undocumented uh, member of the church living in the United States? What's the Book of Mormon look like to those people? And can we hear their voices and can we listen to the truth that the Lord's going to reveal through uh, all these different voices? Remember that in the church we believe in counseling and that the Lord speaks through different people in a council in order to reveal kind of the whole picture. Are we doing that when it comes to how we approach the restored gospel of Jesus Christ? And I'm not, this is in no way a critique of the institution of the church or the policies or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about us as members of the church, as the ones who have received the Book of Mormon in these last days, are we really doing the work that the Book of Mormon has called us to do? Or are we using the Book of Mormon to reinforce uh, a sense of superiority in some way that we are somehow better than, for whatever reason, whether it's our race or our nationality or our politics or whatever it might be, it might be our religion, that we're somehow better than other people. When in fact Christ has said, if you wanna be first, you're going to have to be the servant. Um, and you're going to have to be the one washing people's feet. And uh, I think there's an overarching theme throughout the Book of Mormon that really directs our hearts towards washing feet as opposed to uh, being the one that sets us up over others. So that's what I got for you today. Hopefully uh, that was enjoyable and hopefully that uh, serves to remind you that I have not forgotten about this project. I'm just kind of busy. Um, and so I'll get to it, I promise. But, um, but I hope everybody's well. Please be responsible out there. Uh, at the time of recording, we are topping out uh, with coronavirus cases in the United States. And uh, the trajectory is still going up. Please be responsible. Please do your best to uh, care for those within your circle of influence and uh, promote selflessness as opposed to uh, whatever need for individuality is driving um, some people. So uh, be well. I'll talk to you next time. Quarantine Seminary is an independent podcast unaffiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. None of the views expressed here represent the official teaching or position of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our music today, as always, was provided by Dallin Isom. Be sure to check out his stuff at soundcloud.com. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on new content. Until next time, I'm your host, Mason Isom.